Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I am Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Hello. Hi, Simone. How are you? Doing well. I was uh, out at the Lakefront Airport today. We had, I love that uh, airport, by the way. So nice. It's so nice. Art Deco and everything. Um, and Messina's is really good yes. if you're looking for a brunch yes. place. Yes, Runway Cafe. <laughs> Um, but no, we had uh, some reporters going up to do some flyovers around Very New good. Orleans and doing that. Um, so it's been a good week. And then you've been busy. I know you were in Baton Rouge yesterday. Yeah, so uh, yesterday was the uh, Coastal Restoration and Protection Authority, CPRAs. No, Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. I think I just spelled crap. Sorry. Um, but <laughs> BJ, you didn't hit Can the button. Can you say that, BJ? <laughs> Um, so it's the CPRA's monthly board meeting, uh, and, and, you know, shout out to CPRA. We have several of their, uh, you know, our friends and, and their staff members, um, have been on the show, but they actually recognized Restore Retreat. Uh, we did a, a program where we distributed the master plan to all the libraries in the state of Louisiana. You even distributed one for me. <laughs> I, made you, I made you go like view and drop one off. Um, but you can actually go to any library in the state of Louisiana and check out uh, master plan. That's so awesome. And, you know, just in terms of making this issue accessible to more yeah. people. And I know you all have done a lot of work as well in translations. Yes, um, trying sure to have. make sure that, you know, we're not just putting it in more places, but we're making people, making right. sure people that speak different languages yeah. can access so, it. So language access is really important. We all, we did translate the, um, the master plan, but we've also, we've also done several documents for CPRA. Um, and, but also, you know, we even think about it in our own work, you know, some, we talked about the Mythbusters blog mm -hmm. and some other things. And so we need to be able to maybe talk about some of that information, uh, with other people from other cultures. That's so important. Well, congratulations. It's very well-deserved yes. recognition. How was the um, the annual uh, meeting. Right. While well, you were out um, eating oysters, which we'll talk about later, um, we had a great uh, annual meeting, uh, filled the room. We were like begged them bring, to bring in another table, but it was great. We had uh, Leah Brown from Chevron in to talk about how their coastal, how their work intersects with coastal. They've been big supporters of Restore Retreat and um, they've actually helped us make some of those field trips happen when we bring congressional staff in. But you, you got to go out yeah, it was an you amazing really day, yeah. and we're going to actually talk to um, the folks who own and operate Shelly Farms uh, at the second half of the show, but um, it was out of uh, Plaquemines Parish near Port Sulphur, um, and we got to see kind of pretty much the largest off-bottom oyster farm in Louisiana and amazing. kind of understand, you know, I, I've heard about the it, you know that technology and I've read about it, but actually seeing it and being like, wow, this is an actual like farm operation and, um, you know, how they're able to do it kind of in so much quicker time than you right, know, normal right, on bottom. Right. And so we're going to talk all about that, but you know, couldn't have been a better, more informative day. And, you know, Terry Shelley and his, his daughter, Brandy, it's a true family operation, such kind people. So I'm excited to talk to them. A yeah, little bit. I'm excited um, that you went on this field trip without me. And uh, <laughs> I want to learn more too. It, I think I mentioned this on last week's show that lots of people actually bring it up um, in terms of, you know, how, how uh, fisheries are adapting um, and how we're, we're doing different things in different spaces and, you know, how can we get more information out on that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So. Well, we have such a great show today. We do. Um, you know, we talk about Louisiana's Coast and People, Wildlife and jobs, and, and jobs. And jobs. I think we're focusing on jobs today, but it's going to, it's a cool, it's like the innovative jobs, right? And we think about our coast and, you know, people that have lived here going back to indigenous, you know, communities living off of the coast and living off of what, what it provides. Um, and so I think both of these businesses that we're going to highlight um, have done that, but they've also innovated and they've adapted to different challenges that we may have faced um, or continue to face and found ways to kind of 
bring innovation to the product. So. Yeah, this, um, so we're excited to have on the show Hansel Harlan uh, from Marsh Dog. We're going to let him talk in just a little bit. But you and I have talked about having them on the show for a long I time. Know, we're so excited. Yeah, so. Well, I, was, I do have to vouch. I, I mean, sadly, our pooch um, has gone on to where all dogs go to heaven but no they went to the farm right is that the where they, they yeah, go there to the farm go. sorry <laughs> sorry if, if you ben and penny are listening <laughs> that's where they go um but pr- prior he was a longtime consumer of marsh dog treats he liked them they're good i mean i never tried them but well, he enjoyed them i don't know maybe you just confessed to something <laughs> Hansel, have you ever tried the treats? I have indeed. <laughs> <laughs> are they are they gamey or <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well let's welcome to the show uh Hansel Harlan who's from Marsh Dog. Um let it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You have a very interesting background. Uh we have you on the show today about um Marsh Dog, but uh you're a native of Baton Rouge. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Uh yes I am. I was born and raised in Baton Rouge. Um, went to high school up there, went to LSU. In some um, kind of way, you got to South America. That's right. I went to graduate school in Argentina for a year. There you go. Ooh. If, uh, if, if, if I got Aires, to go to Argentina. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I feel left out again. Okay. Um, gravy, red gravy. <laughs> okay, sorry, we won't speak in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of graduate work were you doing? I was doing international relations. Very interesting. So, how does all that take you to Marsh Dog? <laughs> and why, why don't you? Okay, so um, let's tell folks about Marsh Dog. And um, you know, I probably watch too much uh, television shows like Shark Tank, right? So, <laughs> tell us in the pitch style what Marsh Dog is. Let me see. Marsh Dog is an innovative company that tries to harness capitalistic uh, uh, engines to combat environmental problems. Um, so what we are doing is trying to, in essence, replace the fur industry as a check on the nutrient ah, population. There's your, there's your cell right there. That's right. <laughs> so you take nutria, which is an invasive species. We've actually had an sh- entire show about mm-hmm. nutria and about the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries bounty program along with Quipra. Uh, but you take that invasive species that's doing harm and, and you try to turn it into something great. That's exactly right. And uh, uh, the Nutria Control Program is great. We love those guys. They do a wonderful job in combating a bad problem. Unfortunately, it draws uh, resources and money uh, to basically mow the grass every year because that program costs maybe about $3 million a year, each year, every year. And it can't solve the problem. It can only sort of suppress the numbers. Um, so basically, it's a grass-cutting bill. So what we want to do is, uh, is supplant control program with our uh, with our dog treat company so that the state can spend those monies elsewhere um and uh and so can... you brought some nutria fur into the studio and it did. Is, it's very soft <laughs> it, it very is soft. very soft but that's actually you know we talked about this on the show before but that's how they came to louisiana and why they're invasive that they tried to have a fur market around nutria and then those little boogers just multiply like bananas Oh, and they did for about 60 years. This is the ideal environment for them. This is like nutria heaven here in South Louisiana. <laughs> Whole nutria go to coastal Louisiana heaven. Yeah. Um, so how did you kind of come up with the idea? I mean, how do you go from, you know, uh, inception to like, okay, dog treats? And, and where did that all come from? Well, interestingly, when I went to Argentina, I knew nutria weren't, in, weren't uh, indigenous to Louisiana, but I didn't know that they came from Argentina. So when I was down there in school, I learned that, and it always sort of stuck in my head. Maybe 10 or 15 years later, I had a dog that had grain allergies, 
And so I had. Oh, that's stuff for a dog, right? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> so this was before they had grain-free dog mm-hmm. food. So I was making this dog's own food out of turkey. And at that time, the state was playing with ideas on how to solve this problem. Um, and they were, I think at the time, they were entertaining human consumption. And they were marketing as it as tastes just like turkey. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually started with turkey. Exactly. Yes. And um, so then the idea kind of evolved. You did get some support and some some grant help too, right? We did. I started talking to my sister, uh, Vanny, about it, how neat an, uh, an idea it would be and how it would solve a number of problems. It would help with coastal erosion, and it would also mm-hmm. uh, create a quality dog treat for our four-legged friends. And uh, I saw in the newspaper one day where, um, the, where BitNEP was advertising for a grant program. And so we said, hey, let's apply. So, Hansel, have you all been surprised by the kind of response to the product? I mean, I've, I see it in stores. You know, I know a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, give my dog the Nutria treats. Like, people really seem to love it. The response has been overwhelming. It's amazing how many people sort of want to contribute to, um, to A, getting good stuff for their dogs, and B, trying to address an environmental problem. But sometimes problems can be so big and so overwhelming, you just don't know where to start. But, hey, what better idea than to go to a store and bag a, buy a bag of treats for your dog? Well, we want to talk to you more. We have a lot more to talk about uh, about Marsh Dog. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, but we're up against the break, so we'll take that break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online at deltadispatches.org. 
We are so excited to be back talking about innovative coastal businesses. And we're here with Hansel Harlan um, of Marsh Dog. Um, so Hansel, I know you probably have a lot of um, important business uh, titles and a lot of important um, positions <laughs> at Marsh Dog, but there's one in particular. One that, that you have do to, not have. I have to ask about. Yeah. See, or some else yeah, you want to ask about yeah. it. Um, y- um, you work with your sister, Venny, right? I do. Um, but neither one of you are the CED, correct, of That's this correct. company, right? <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? Well, we couldn't be a company from Louisiana that made dog treats if we didn't have a Catahoula involved in the operation <laughs> somehow or another. And this guy is so stubborn and self-assured that we've given him the title of the corporate the chief executive dog. <laughs> chief executive dog. And your dog, the dog's name is? Uh, the dog's name is Mare de Chen. Mare de Chen. I like that. Which I like means? Uh, Mars dog. There you go. So Catahoula's. They have a history in Louisiana. State dog. Absolutely. They're yes. great dogs. They're beautiful. Yeah. They are... Uh, kind of spotty, right? Exactly. Yeah, beautiful eyes. They call them the uh, Catahoula leopard dog. Yeah. Um, and they were a uh, cross between wild or native dogs, which are supposedly uh, brought down from red wolves, and uh, mastiffs that were brought over by Hernando de Soto. Oh, imports. Yeah. Yes, we were just talking about migration patterns. I guess that also includes dogs, <laughs> right? But all, you you do work circle. <laughs> you do work with your sister Vinny, right? I we do. talked about. But you also have other family members involved as well. My younger sister Gretel is involved in the in the company as well, and her husband Bob. But you have yeah, I was going to say I saw that you'll have quite a staff involved. This is not you know a, a little operation. This is quite a business. It's turned into a real deal. <laughs> and apparently, you have to be the taste tester, right? Is that what? We're- <laughs> Is that what we're hearing as well? Exactly. <laughs> so, do you have dog treats? Do you have other product lines? Uh, we are we are going to move. I learned into that a, word from Shark Tank too. Product <laughs> exactly lines, exactly right. Other skews. We are going to move. We're going to be moving into uh, uh, dog food eventually. Okay. Uh, right now, we're grappling with three different uh, products: we're, uh, cranberry, a blueberry, and a sweet potato. Nice. So you can find some of those here in Louisiana too. In uh, about a month, we will be on all shelves. Very, Very interesting. Cool. <laughs> And where can people go? I mean, so you, they have it in certain stores, but um, if they want to, you know, order it online or learn more about Marsh Dog, where can people go online to find out more? At MarshDog.com is our website and has a big history of the company as well as other information with regard to what we do and who we are. And you are. can find that CED there too, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> Gorgeous eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, we were talking about our friends at the Paratary Terrebonne National Estuary Program. Y'all were awarded a grant um, to work on kind of, uh, this special work with uh, innovative uh, invasive species, uh, but we were talking about during the break when you had the fur that they also used to do uh, fur fashion shows, <laughs> Nutria fur fashion shows. Uh, so Hansel, you should be happy that they didn't mix those two things, <laughs> that they didn't make the grant contingent upon you being in that fur fashion show. Yeah, um, but you also received an award from our friends at Louisiana Wildlife Federation as well. The Louisiana Wildlife Foundation is a, a federation. is just a great uh, statewide group that. Uh, advocate for all things wildlife uh, they pick up real good causes and they fight the fight that just doesn't get fought um, in normal everyday everyday life yeah they are you know all the way to north louisiana and and uh you know east to west uh and so they they are a very important group to us but they also have you know very particular um you know hunters fishers it's it's kind of really conservationists from all over the state to all kinds of folks absolutely 
they have beautiful awards too. Did you get yourself a nice? I mean, they have we really did. nice awards. Yeah. yeah. And so a big plug for uh, for for joining that group if you can. You know, every little bit makes a difference. Yeah. If you remember a while back, we had them mm-hmm. when they were having their awards um, ceremony. Rebecca Trish, who's their executive mm-hmm. director, on, and we work really close with her. She's an amazing person. Rebecca's great. She's mm-hmm. been really, really supportive of our of our of our venture. So you can buy some of the products here in the city and, and other places across Louisiana. We're mostly at independent retailers, whether it be independent pet food retailers like Jefferson Feed or mm-hmm. just independent stores in general that are just kind of cool, like Dirty Coast yeah, uh, or uh, independent vets. That's, I saw that uh, also Jean Lafitte Wetlands Center. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's cool. awesome. I mean, that, that catches a whole different group of folks that are, uh, you know, maybe visiting Louisiana or even in you know, Tipto, shout out. Yeah, shout out. Um, so we have to ask, I mean, we like, you know, we interview all kinds of different people on the show, scientists, you know, elected officials, community leaders, business leaders. Um, and are you are first attorney, actually, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. Now we've had some state attorneys, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we we all, those people that live and work in Louisiana, especially coastal Louisiana, we know why this issue is so urgent, right? And coastal restoration, but I'm sure you've dealt with people out of state or, you know, trying to make that case for, you know, why is this such an important issue of our time? And right now, I mean, you, you guys are doing your part to really tackle the issue, but why should others kind of get involved and roll up their sleeves to address land loss? Well, to me, it's even larger than land loss. What we, what we like about Mars Dog, especially sort of from a global perspective, is that it's sort of gives a real-life example of how you could come up with an innovative example to address an environmental harm. Because, uh, you know, nutria, yes, are bad for the coast, but you also have other invasive species like Asian carp or this, that, and the other. And it turns out, say, invasive species as a whole, it just causes billions of dollars per year um, in, in, in harm to the environment and economy, et cetera. If more people can come up with sort of interesting ideas as to how to solve the problem, other than just sort of relying on government to fix it, mm-hmm. it really sort of amplifies our ability to try to address these harms and get to a good solution. Yeah, it's I love that idea of finding kind of creative markets and, and new markets for some of these things. I mean, we've worked with chefs in the past mm-hmm. and they did an Asian carp cook-off, right? And, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, for them, it may have been a little bit of a challenge, but they hey, they said, hey, we're going to come up with these amazing recipes. And, and so, I mean, you start from there and, and it, it's also about awareness too i mean you know just from visiting marsh dog's website i mean you know you talk about there's a football field of land that's lost every 100 minutes right i mean it's even the education part of it too that you've made a good product but also you know what comes along with it that kind of social good too so um that's really nice to have folks like you advocating you know on multiple fronts right on, on why you should do things like that so we do have to ask a fun question we usually do um so this is maybe a loaded question, but do you have a favorite soda or a soft drink? <laughs> uh, I'm partial to Bark's root beer. Oh, Hansel, <laughs> why is that? <laughs> That's my family made Bark's root beer. So it's in our multiple generations back. Very nice. Um, I love. There's nothing like a good Bark's on a, like a hot day, and especially it has to be in the glass though, the glass bottle. And then like a shrimp po' boy. It's oh, like, yeah. It's, it's like, so oh. sweet. That's one of those ones that I like, like that's not even diet or anything like that. It's just so good. But I, I 
tits and taken and i saw that and i had to ask about that so do you have a lot of like i'm sure it's a fascinating history of like how your family started that Barks and the, the recipe and everything it's such a distinct recipe too benny is the family historian he's got boxes and boxes of photographs and documents and so it's a really interesting history so um do uh nutria dog treats pair well since you're the taste tester <laughs> with the barks is that what you wash your nutria dog treats <laughs> if i was gonna wash it down i would do it with nothing other than a barks fruit beer yeah. <laughs> so um tell us again where you can find out more about the company you can f- order online um twitter facebook all that kind of stuff share all the information marshdog.com and we're also on facebook we're also on twitter very good. We were talking about you're from Baton Rouge, and we talked about that a little bit um, about uh, the anniversary of the two year anniversary of the flood. And and while you weren't impacted, we were just talking about uh, how in general Baton Rouge kind of got brought into some of these uh, coastal issues that we work on um, because of the flood too. And and we were just talking about that. You know, we talk about New Orleans a lot, but you have a Baton Rouge perspective as well. Right. It's easy to become sort of immune from or insulated from these environmental things that happen especially like right up in baton rouge you don't realize how close how close you are to the coast and how low lying this area really is right right well very good hans thank you so much for being on the show today uh we'll have to have Vinny on one time too to offer <laughs> and, and your sister gretel right <laughs> um to come on to the show one last time tell us where we can find all the information marshdog.com marshdog.com awesome. thank you so much yeah it's very so good welcome. to to meet you and um you know my dog certainly very much enjoyed the marsh dog treats so <laughs> when we get a new dog which i think 2019 is the goal <laughs> we'll be buying marsh dog again um all right well we are so excited to bring our next guests on um the folks from shelly farms and we're gonna be talking about off-bottom oyster uh farming which is another innovative um business practice so you're listening to delta dispatches on wgso 990 am we'll be on right after the break And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. I'm Simone Moloss with Restore Retreat. Caught her texting. <laughs> I was tweeting. She was tweeting. No, it's important to live tweet so you all know to tune in. Um, we are continuing our conversation about innovative coastal businesses. And I'm so excited to have these next guests on the show. I was so fortunate uh, last Friday to be able to go down uh, to Port Sulphur and Plaquemines Parish and go out and kind of really see and experience firsthand what off-bottom oyster production and farming means. Um, and so I'm excited to have the folks from Shelley Farms, Terry and Brandy Shelley. Welcome uh, to you both to Delta Dispatches. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Hey, Terry, how are you? Good, good. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, obviously I got some of this um, on Friday, and thank you again, y'all were such great hosts. But um, for the people that are listening, tell us a little bit about your, your family history. You've been in Plaquemines for a while, and also tell us about Shelley Farms. Okay, uh, next May, I've been in commercial fishing business uh, 50 years. Since I got out of high school in 69, and I, uh, I went to the bayou and I never left. And I, I commercial fished just about everything they had from crabbing many years, and I shrimp for so many years. I inshore, moved offshore and shrimp for so many years, and I wound up settling down into the business. I like how he said that. I've, I've fished almost everything. <laughs> That's a lot of experience. Well, what, you know, made you want to move over, you know, to off-bottom oyster farming? Just just uh, watching everything from being in it for the last couple of years. I'm watching everything just being depleted. Uh, it's You know, I, I don't know what's the reason or why. 
and I started researching into what they're doing on the East Coast. This is not a new business. It's 30 years old. Those cars in Louisiana are just way behind time and getting started. Well, they needed people like you to, to start it up, right? <laughs> to bring the innovation yeah, over. No, I, they got two other people that's in it a couple of years prior to me. I think two others. I might be the third one, and I think right now they got the fourth one. There's like four of us out there. Yeah, but you were kind of mentioning this on Friday, and you just you mentioned it now. But you know, this uh, process of off off bottom har- harvesting. I mean, you have it in you know Alabama, you have it in Virginia and other states. Um, so you said it's not new, but it's just we don't have as much right now in Louisiana. All right, correct. I mean, the other states. I think just last year, Florida that like set. We went to a couple of meetings. I think Florida last year grew by like seventeen additional farms over what they already had. I think on the East Coast, they got 180. We went to a conference, and uh, they had like 180 farmers over there. So it looked like it stopped. In Alabama, they got like 10. In uh, Mississippi, I, I think they got one person trying to start. In Louisiana, we still were uh, way behind in the, in this industry. So, Terry, did you did you have somebody help you start this? Is this something, you know, like did you did you get some support while you were bringing it up? Yeah, uh, yeah I did a lot of uh, had a lot of conversations with John Supan. He was a biologist with C. Grant with that uh, lab on Grand Isle. Yeah, they right. I've been there. Good lab. Interesting. Right. Right. So he he actually caught if I'm right, I think I'm right. He actually got it started, and uh, he, he had it up and running a lot of years. And uh, just talking with him, he he, he, led, he helped lead me to way. Come here and show me a lot of things. Uh, you know, kind of took me by the hand. Let it, then I had to just put them on the side a little bit and go at it my own way and learn my own technique and we're still doing that yeah you kind of had to tailor it to to exactly where you are but I've, I've been to that hatchery before it's it's beautiful it's the mike blasian hatchery and it, it's one of those things that's really just hard to describe over the air because of, of the kind of work that they do and the research but i mean even down to very cool ways of like how they grow algae and you know for the oysters to eat so so that's interesting. So, Terry, tell us, um, is you're in Plaquemines Parish. You're on the west side? Yeah, we're on the west side. I'm on the west side, south of me, south of uh, Port South. So with this oh, this work in, um, in all across coastal Louisiana, or are there certain areas where it would work better than others? That, uh, with no experience uh, on, on that issue, we kind of got a location. We kind of stuck where we had. It don't allow us to move all around, so I, I couldn't really answer that. I believe it's more about a salinity thing. You get too far to mm-hmm. too far inland, fresh water. They don't grow as fast. Uh, I don't look like where I'm located at. They grow at a high rate of speed, but I'm also putting up with a lot of problems of the algae growing on the cages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we got to see that whole process, right, of like how you have the cages and I have to turn it. So kind of for people who may not know, I mean, some people just think about the oysters when they're eating them, right? But they don't understand the work and the, the process that goes into uh, cultivating and harvesting oysters. So for especially for off-bottom, tell us, how, what is the process of, of farming off-bottom oysters? Okay, first you got to put your order in, uh, you know, with Sea Grant, with, with the lab in, in uh, Grand Isle. Or they got other labs popping up in Alabama and around. Once you put your order and purchase your little when you farm, you got to be established once you get them in hand, you only have so many hours to get them put in your cages. And then when you put them in the cages, you got four different size bags that you would put them in. You start off with like a two millimeter bag. That's as fine as a screen door. And you put them in there. And then within two weeks, they'll double in size. Oh, wow. You got to break them, 
in two weeks, they, every couple of weeks, they double in size, and you got to keep taking them keep out, breaking them down, right, and keep you know dividing them up, putting them in more and more bags. It's just that's the process. It's actually a lot more work than the normal way. I didn't think it was. I thought you put them in the cage and leave. <laughs> you know that's not the case. The, the, the algae that grows on them, the different types of year. We I don't know how many types of algae we got, but it looked like I, I think I found every one of them because every couple of months we have. <laughs> on a cage so you have like different predators and things right or, or, or like algae might not be a problem for traditional oysters right so you have to kind of grapple with like being in a different part of the water column is that right 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 cages what happens the algae gets on them and blocks the holes and the water can't pass through the holes for the oysters to feed so it clogs it up and then they smother and die so you got to keep sun you got to turn the cages over and let the sun kill the algae then when you reach a point the cages get too heavy there's not a method yet to, to turn the oh because the, the oysters grow so big they get too heavy right they get too heavy too many in a bag you need to keep you need multiple traps you got to keep breaking them down putting them in more traps because you got six traps i have they got six bags in a trap that's like called the 1500 oysters mm. equivalent to 10 sacks of oysters and it's just hard for a man to flip that by hand in the yeah. water Oh, yeah. Well, it was, you know, it was so cool on Friday. We were like pulling up and you see the big sign that says Shelly Farms. And then you just see this expansive area where you have like all of these kind of like lines with the cages kind of hanging. Them. Yeah. And your, your grandson, Terry, right, got out and, and kind of pulled the cage up. And we got to see the smaller oysters that maybe you had just kind of put there. And then the ones that had been there longer. Um, and we actually got to eat them. And they're, I mean, they're big. But Tell us about, you know, I mean, what are the benefits of off-bottom oysters? I mean, they, they, they grow a lot faster. Is that correct? Correct. They grow a lot faster. Uh, I also bed rocks the other way to grow oysters uh, on, on regular, on bottom, the drip lard. And, and uh, it takes about three years from the time that we put the rocks in the water for the spats to take and then for the oysters to mature the, the hog. It takes about three years off-bottom. I purchased oysters last year. I put them in there in July and already, and I'm I'm working some now. September, eight, nine, ten months. Right. Oh now, wow! Yeah, it was three awesome. Years, I, yeah, I can market four four uh, harvests in, in three years compared to one and the other. So are they are they fatter? Did you say that or not? Did, they're just different. The biologists say they're fatter. Uh, I don't want to be calling anybody fat, but. <laughs> The biologists say they look fat. It looks like they are right now. Uh, within this month here in September, when ice is at their skinniest point, mm-hmm. I'll really be self, my, my own self because uh, they told me they didn't reproduce too. But the last couple of months, I did see white white water inside the uh, shell. So I don't know if that's reproduction or the oysters are sterile or what. But uh, I mean, they, I was told when I got in the business they don't reproduce and they stay fat all year. So I don't know. How much truth to that is? Well, I'll find that out by the end of the year. So, Terry, I was, you know, struck, and Brandy, I know you're on too, so I want you to speak up. But um, you, you're truly running. I mean, this is a family business, family operation. You were there, Brandy. You were there. You had your your young little daughter who was just so precious, you know, running around the boat. Your son who was getting out and flipping uh, the cages. What is it like to be working in that family business? And and Hansel earlier was talking about you know, their family business. And so what is, what is that experience like for you to be able to work with your family on this? I love it. I just wish I could do it more often. <laughs> I love the Bayou. I would love to look at it every single day. Right now, I'm currently a nurse. Eventually, when the form takes off, I've been on, I've been concentrate 100% on the form. 
But as of right now, I can only go out there on occasion and then kind of live through my dad because I take after him with loving the water, loving the wildlife, and loving everything about it. Well, that's awesome. Well, we want to talk um, a little bit more about Shelly Farms. We have some more questions for you both. We also have a fun question that we always like to throw out. Um, it's a different one for each guest, so we'll have to think about it during the break. Um, but if you all don't mind sticking around for one more segment, um, we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And we're very excited to have uh, Terry and Brandy Shelley of Shelley Farms um, with us. I had an opportunity to go out with them on Friday to do a tour of their off-bottom oyster farm. Um, and we've been talking about off-bottom oyster production. So, uh, Terry and Brandy, if you've ever listened to the show, we like to ask a fun question. You know, just kind of something that's kind of off the wall. Promise won't be too bad, but for you all, I'm curious, if you had to pick, would you go Oysters Rockefeller, oyster, Oysters Bienville, or do you just like oysters on the half shell, uh, like raw? I would take Rockefeller. <laughs> I'd rather them grilled. grilled. Grilled? Yeah. You like Drago's? Yeah, he likes Drago's. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with butter? And like that's what I would say. Oysters. You grill your own oysters? <laughs> That makes sense. I know. Do, I would do, you, do you just put them on the grill, or do you soak them in butter? <laughs> what do you do to them? Yeah, with- no, we put them on a grill and have a little concoction that we put on top of them. I like it. Maybe and maybe some proprietary own- information there, Brandy. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to tell us. <laughs> and we actually do a lot of fundraisers and charcoal oysters for like nonprofits. Oh, like that's awesome. Some other stuff. We're doing one this weekend to raise some money for somebody in the parish that has breast cancer. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. awesome. That's a good way to give back. Great. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you, Brandy, too, a little bit. I mean, you said you were a nurse. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing that, that you could, you know, go from a traditional job to farming all the time. And when, when sometimes I think people in coastal Louisiana think it's the reverse, right? That they mm-hmm. um, kind of get pushed out of their job that they love that's tied to the place that they live. And they, they do have to, you know, do something more, tra- you know, traditional. So I love that you have that story. Thank you. So I love it too. One day I will be able to say I am an oyster farmer. <laughs> <laughs> and Brandy, I mean, I saw your kids. They were both so a- active out there helping. I mean, even your daughter, how, how old is she, by the way, I have to ask. She's three, and she takes after me. She loves everything about the water and the bayou. She just she knew her way around the boat. She had no <laughs> fears whatsoever. She was just loving it. So I love it. How, what is it like having your kids kind of involved in the business as well? Um, I love it. I have my oldest son. He actually runs a crew for Harry's Oysters, which is my dad's other company. My middle son, the one you met that was actually in the water flipping the cages, he's not so much. He's working right now temporarily. And he's going to work all through college, but he's actually more of a computer guy. He wants <laughs> to get a computer job. And sit well, good. Him. Y'all are going to have a big business to run one day. Might need some IT systems, right? Yes, exactly. And then I'm hopefully going to groom Brinley to go into biology and maybe 
we could open a lab down the line. Oh, that would be so awesome. Brandy, Brandy, you got everybody in your family covered. <laughs> everybody yeah. working. I definitely appreciate it. I have my own plan. <laughs> I love it. Your own uh, business plan that involves every member of your family. I love it. So tell, we talk about it a little bit. Um, we talked about some of the benefits, which we want to get back to. But, but really, what are some of the challenges? It sounds like um, Terry said that, I mean, just kind of being the first out there doing it and having to learn as you go. I mean, is that that's the challenge, right? Or and what are some other challenges that you have? Really, the biggest challenge so far is the market. Louisiana is not set up for no market for Walmart. East Coast is. They really don't want to see us come from the outside cutting into their market on the East Coast. Them farms over there are blowing and going. So we really struggling trying to get established on a in the market. There's, New Orleans is still too close to uh, the regular ice industry, so. The farm prices is a little bit higher price than what the regular They don't have a market in New Orleans, very little bit of market in New Orleans. So it's actually outside, uh, got to get outside the city. So, Terry, is it is it about education, too? You know, that, uh, like you said, here we're very used to oysters. And so I would imagine that there's some component to that, too, right? About even yeah, telling people what off-bottom oysters are? Correct. I mean, it's, uh, everybody is a. I would say they really don't know nothing about the off bottom oysters culture. Oysters. I mean, uh, uh, from what we've been trying to distribute and all, it's, it's really a back burner. And Terry, you mentioned on the boat that, you know, I mean, there are a few other people who are doing this, um, maybe at a much smaller scale than you guys, but you decided you wanted to go big or go home. What do you, what do you mean by that? I like it. Well, being in the fishing business, all them years, if you're not big, you're going to fold. you got to be able to adjust. you got to be able to adapt. Uh, and being small and yellow is real short. Got too many too many disadvantages in the business hitting. It's not like it was in the olden days. So that's the way I see it. You know, I try to tell the guys that work for me, my own sons and all, what they, when they got to change, what they got to do, get rid of that boat, build another boat. Got to keep changing. In my lifetime, I've probably done owned. 20 boats. <laughs> and you, I mean, you said you've done all kind of different fishing. I mean, you must have seen a lot of change in your li- lifetime. Oh, a lot of, a lot of changes in my lifetime, uh, by the competition. I mean, we was, a, we were, I was an insured and I went to the offshore and with a big boat, uh, stayed in the Gulf 14, 20 days at a time. And then when the influx of Vietnamese, they put so much shrimp and pressure on us, uh, Pressure on a shrimp. I mean, I, I decided that way back then. I'll let them have it, and I'll, I moved on. And um, I think, Brandy, you mentioned also seeing, like, areas that you were like, this used to be marsh, and now it's all open water. I mean, have you seen kind of the land around where your farm is and where your, your home is change significantly? Um, Not since I've been going out there. I've only been going out there the past year. But when I had that area that used to be land, my dad said it used to be um, known as no man's land. He remembers... He used to go hunting in the area all growing up and as an adult. And then I go out there and you don't see anything but water everywhere you look. Yeah. You don't even see the change because there's nothing left, right? Exactly. Uh, I I, I remember the land when when I used to hunt on it and and, uh, uh, run through there as a kid running around. Right exactly where I used to do all of that, I'm fishing arches right now. Yeah. I know exactly the bottoms with a chain on the bottom, I knew where the ridges passed and all, and that was from hunting as a young kid, a young boy, and 
I can I can pull in the pond and tell you the bottom part here and the bottom part over there. Over there. And, and a lot of people question, well, how you know that? Because I fish it, I, hunt, I actually hunted it. Yeah. And I, I remember when it was all marsh, all land. Now it's 95% water. It's gone. Well, I know. I mean, and especially, I'm sure, you know, your family's been there for a while and you have your grandkids. You want to kind of try to keep and maintain as much as, as you can. I mean, I grew up in Plaquemines Parish, too, and we've seen the change, of course. So, the fishermen are, are some of the most adaptable, the right? Most adaptable I mean, you've got to change to the weather. I mean, every day, right? There's a, a little series of and changes. You, you've but, shown that, right, how yeah. you're changing and adapting. Yes, definitely. So... Well, I have to ask, um, you know, we are almost up on time, and I want to thank you both so much for, again, that amazing tour. More people need to be able to see and understand what you all are doing out there, um, because like you said, this really is the future, and you said that multiple times on our um, tour. But I want to, where can people go to learn more about Shelly Farms, um, learn more about Off Bottom Oysters, and just get more information about your company? Um, we do have a website. They can go to ShellyFarms.com. We have a Facebook page. If they have questions, they can ask us. We have um, been very generous with taking people out just because they're curious. They I'm curious. I'm jealous. <laughs> we um, make arrangements and we take them out whenever we can. It's not a problem. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much. I was very kind of y'all. And I mean, I'm just, you know, I was really amazed and inspired by the work that y'all are doing and how you're, much you're innovating and just the fact that you're bringing something to Louisiana that really doesn't, or I mean, it hasn't really existed. Yeah. And bring in innovation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to somebody told me once that there's no status quo in Louisiana, and I think you guys are proving it for the the good and and the better too, right? That you got to keep changing. So, well, thank you, Terry and Brandy, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. So, Jacques, coming up. Yeah, I mean, we've got some good shows coming up. I think we'll have to have some of our, um, you know, come back and have some updates from people we've talked to in the yeah, past. We definitely. have an amazing photographer that's kind of, I think he's like done one of those like hang gliding things over the coast Ooh, and taking awesome. photos that's going to come um, so we'll have some good shows for you but really love today's show thank you to yeah. our guests marsh dog and shelly farms please go to their websites and check them out um and we'll be back next week delta dispatches always available online at deltadispatches.org <laughs>